Hello there. Welcome back to Brace. Today, Tommy and I are going to be discussing FTX, Alameda Research, the FTT cryptocurrency, as well as the fall of that platform, the owner, Sam Bankman-Fried, and everything going on with that controversy. So, Tommy, I know that you're a little bit more educated on the topic. What's a, a headline we could discuss to start here? So right now I'm looking at the Reuters review and I just want to read a short section. This will give us a place to start with our conversation. So, from Reuters, FTX filed for bankruptcy on November 11th and is facing scrutiny from U.S. authorities. Sources told Reuters that $10 billion in customer assets were shifted from FTX to Bankman Freed's trading company, Alameda Research, and that more than $1 billion of customer funds is missing. So, there's a lot of different words in here. What do they all mean? What is a cryptocurrency exchange? Who are these people? You know, Sam Bankman-Fried, who is he? Who, what is Alameda Research? I'll give you a little bit of a review from how I understand it. So in this ongoing time, there are a ton of different cryptocurrencies. And how I understand a cryptocurrency is it's a way to decentralize money exchanging Bitcoin for good. We're not there yet, just due to the overall costs it takes to compute these trades. But that's the general idea. Using these instead of our normal currency, US dollars, or vice versa. These are exchanges where you can buy Bitcoin, Ethereum, Dogecoin, and it allows you to, instead of owning a hard wallet, which is essentially a password encrypted wallet that holds your cryptocurrency. It allows you to buy and trade on there based on day-to-day -day prices, essentially like a stock market exchange. So there's a few things we need to touch on. One is Sam Bankman-Fried started FTX, I believe about 10 to 12 years ago. Uh, he started that in... 2017, excuse me, 2017. Oh, okay. Maybe it's more recent than I believed. But he also has another company called Alameda Research. So as these exchanges were going on, what the exchange does in order to make money is they hold all the quote-unquote crypto that's being exchanged, and they use it to make the money used to buy those and exchange those to make money. Right. So similar to a bank, a bank will take your money. They will use it to invest. They'll make a profit and they'll give you a part of that profit. And that's what your annual interest rate is on a savings account, for instance. This is similar to Coinbase, where they're essentially taking your money in, kind of holding it and then, you know, liquidating it as it would come out in the exchanges. What it seems FTX was doing is they issued their own token. So their token was the FTT token, and it wasn't necessarily backed by anything. And I think that's where this starts to get a little shifty. So, you know, in that headline, not headline, but in that paragraph, 
uh, more than a billion dollars of customer funds is missing. Sam Bankman-Fried was on a podcast recent, uh, maybe about a year ago, talking about how if I have a box of something and there's money coming out of this box and other people are like, oh, I want to make money, then they start buying those boxes. And because they're buying those boxes, the boxes increase in value. But, you know, being a black box, no one knows what's going inside. And, you know, the more people buy and the more, you know, marketing that goes on, the price, you know, continues to be driven up. What I believe happened was FTX was taking the money that was being used to buy FTT token, giving it to Alameda Research, and Alameda Research was buying the FTT token to drive up the price. Yep. So there's a few different conflicts of interest there. Any thoughts on how I'm currently describing this? Yeah, I think you did a great job, first of all, of laying out the terms. Thank you, because I'm, again, not as educated on cryptocurrencies, the exchanges, all of that, like you. On FTT, you did a great job of describing things. My understanding was a little bit different on how these exchanges were supposed to make money. I didn't think they were supposed to act like banks and take out customer funds that were currently being held as crypto. So if someone bought a Bitcoin on that exchange, they were supposed to keep that as Bitcoin and have that available for trading, for exchanging and for pulling out of the exchange as well. You're probably right. This is probably where it starts to get funky. It does. Uh, And yes, what you were describing, though, on the difference uh, between the FTX and the Alameda research, I know that all of that was happening. They were artificially raising their prices and they were using that to then go to banks and say, look at how much my company is worth. Give me a loan based on the value of my company. And and this is where all of the interest, at least to me and some of the people on the more conservative side of the aisle sits. You had this owner and operator of FTX and owner of Alameda Research. He wasn't the main operator. Someone else was the CEO of that company. But you had him going around the country, giving talks on crypto, actually trying to increase regulation on cryptocurrencies on that whole market, but doing it in a way that allowed him to have a competitive edge in that marketplace. So one thing that was very common, he was going around the country with Bill Clinton, giving talks on crypto. There was something, I wish I had it pulled up in front of me, I don't right now, but he was scheduled later this month to be with the chairman of the fed was it was it janin yellen there were four people that were supposed to be on one of them was the head of the world economic forum one of them was sam bankman freed one was a a serious player in the democratic party i thought it was bill clinton but it might have been someone else and then one was another financial institution head in the united states i don't think it was the chairman of jp morgan i think it was something federalized either way he was basically rubbing elbows with all of the important people in Washington and was the second highest donor to Democrats here in 2022. And he was the highest or second highest donor. I I don't have that in front of me either. Donor for Joe Biden in his 2020 campaign for for one individual, Sam Bankman-Fried was. So when you look at this and you, you go back through some of his interviews, you mentioned one from about a year ago. If you go back, it's really funny. And he's even currently, you know, all of this is happening as we're recording. You're going to be listening to this near the end of November, beginning of December. We're recording on the 19th. 
as we're speaking this week, he was texting with reporters talking about, yes, it was really easy to get what I needed in Washington because all I had to do was parrot the talking points and talk about sustainability and environmental concerns and climate catastrophe and, and all these buzzwords. And everyone knew I was on their side. So then it was really easy to get what I needed to get done accomplished. So that's really my primary interest here is not only is this, like you said, there's a billion dollars missing in, in customer funds. I think the total fraud there is a bit higher than that. And I think we can get into later. There was also a hack as the exchange was collapsing that ended up stealing, what was it, $600 million. All of that is to say, there's a lot we still don't know, but that amount of fraud is on a, a level we haven't really seen since, you know, Bernie Madoff had his pyramid scheme. And so have, go ahead. I just wanted to touch on that podcast that I was talking about. The interviewer then mentions, you know, I don't want to sound cynical, but it sounds like you're running a little bit of a Ponzi scheme. The idea that you put more money in and now the value goes up and Sam Bankman fried essentially responded like, yeah, that's that's about a good way to describe it. So there were a lot of red flags and a lot of people got duped. Some of the people that got duped include Kevin O'Leary of Shark Tank fame, Tom Brady. There is a gaming company, maybe XTC. It's a gaming company that got like a $200 million investment from FTX to change their name to like FTX XTC. And I believe they also had their name on the, I think it was the Miami Dolphins stadium. So you bring up some interesting concerns of, you know, money being used to, to get certain things accomplished. I wanted to finish up the story a little bit. A lot of this was going on and... Of course, there were some red flags, but the thing that really set it off was Binance, another one of these crypto exchanges, held a bunch of FTT token. And They were an early investor in, in that company overall and also bought a bunch of the tokens. So early investors and bought a bunch of those tokens and made some messages on Twitter about concerns and that they were about to sell all their FTT token. What caused that actually was a report by, I don't have it, it was it was a New York-based company, I forget, I don't think it was the New York Post, but it was one of those that came out and said, we looked really closely here and FTT and Alameda Research are doing something illicit with the, excuse me, FTX and Alameda Research are doing something illicit with that FTT coin. For sure. You know, as soon as a giant investor starts having concerns, now everyday investors start dropping that token. So the price starts going down and FTX does not have enough liquidity in order to be paying out all the people who want to sell this FTT token. And then there were some talks with Binance that Binance might try and buy FTX, uh, like cents on the dollar, but a deal would, you know, wasn't able to be made one other way you can characterize this, and again, I'm, I'm going back to Atrioc, the streamer I really enjoy. He described it as, say you put your money in, in this bank or in this exchange, and they buy a bunch of Charizard cards. <laughs> a, bunch of, a bunch of 
very Pokemon expensive card. Pokemon cards, right? Mm -hmm. They decide to buy all those things. And, you know, it drives up the price of Charizard because there's less of them out there in the supply. However, if everybody starts selling and people want their money back, you can't just start selling all your Charizards because that would immediately destroy the price. So FTX was, again, doing some, some shady things, but that's, that's the way, and Atriac does a better way of describing that. But right, that, that describes how it, an entire system can collapse when it's built on some fraud, right? Or bad investments, you could say. But in this case, it is fraud because they were taking the money that people had bought FTT with, giving it to another company to buy that same FTT. So that allowed them to just drive that price up and make their company look like it's worth a lot more than it is. And it sounded from everything I had heard with FTX, they had been purchasing a lot of smaller crypto companies that were on the verge of collapse and they were just trying to show continual crazy growth. And the interesting thing you mentioned that Kevin O'Leary, Tom Brady were some people that got taken by this whole scandal. I'm trying to remember. I know that Tom Brady recently retired and then unretired, but when he had retired, the fan that had gotten his last touchdown ball, he had said, Hey, can I have that back? That would mean a lot to me. Or it might've been his 600th. And either way, I said, hey, maybe my friends at FTX can give you a Bitcoin. So this was a partner that he was shouting out regularly and saying, you know, crypto is the solution to all your problems here. Invest here. And I heard that there's a lawsuit now by multiple people that had their wallets basically taken away from them, that had money in the exchange that were not able to pull it out. They're suing all of these celebrities that have done ads and promoted FTX as a legitimate opportunity for investment so it'll be very interesting over the coming weeks and months to see how all of that plays out and who ends up getting hurt the worst from this because of course hundreds of thousands if not millions of people are going to be affected by this ponzi scheme and so, we're only beginning to see the fallout here's a question i have at what point is it on the people paid to promote and at what point is it on the individual investors that are putting money in to these crypto exchanges. Because to me, it seems that if individual investors did not do their own due diligence and were just listening to the talking heads, they're going to have some trouble with some of these lawsuits. So that's, that's a great question, but it lends back to what I brought up earlier with him schmoozing with the powers that be in Washington, D.C., also giving generously to some for-profit businesses in the, on the media side of things, too. So if you looked up Sam Bankman-Fried any time before about a week ago, you would have only found media puff pieces about this young darling billionaire who's getting into effective altruism and is going to change the world by living simply and giving away all of his wealth. When in reality, he's a fraudster that was stealing money from the people that were dumb enough to invest into his company. So all of the institutions were going against the person that might have said, I want to get into cryptocurrency. I see this as the future of monetary supply. Let's look at what the best options are. And then, you know, you'd see Tom Brady saying, this is awesome. I use this all the time. You'd see the guy from Shark Tank that, you know, has run, you know, 
25 successful businesses and has turned so many people into millionaires saying this is an awesome opportunity. And then you'd do your own research online, right? I mean, that's all any of us can do. And you would find that there's this altruistic guy that's running the company and, you know, he's trying to use his money for good. So, okay, even if I invest here and I lose a little bit of money and, you know, I'd still have most of my equity, but I'd know that any of those losses that go through the exchange are going to be used to do some of the things I like, right? I, I care about the environment. I care about society, social change. I, I want to, you know, the disaffected, I want to help. All of that would be talked about in those puff pieces. So what exactly would you expect an individual that wants to invest to have been able to find that would have been a red flag for them? That's that's a great point. Maybe I'm I'm more on the individual responsibility sort of thing where there are consequences for any action or inaction. So and wouldn't, wouldn't I be able to make that same argument that there's consequences for any action, including promoting a fraudster? That's a great point. That's a great point. It'll be interesting to see what happens. I think sure. so, too. I, I really have a lot of thoughts about crypto in general and the future of monetary supply. I think when you and I sitting here got to see over the course of 2020 and 2021, seven bill, uh, excuse me, seven trillion new U.S. dollars printed. We saw the inflation that hit because of that, and we're still feeling that very much on a month-to-month basis. That ability for the government to change what our dollar is worth and impact all the different sectors of our life, you know, made me say, man, I want to look into (laughs) either an older form of money, like let me invest in gold and silver right now and just have something that's going to hold some value or a new type of money in these cryptocurrencies that is going to hold value better than, you know, this terrible system we have set up where the Federal Reserve can you know, print money at will. So doesn't it become a problem though, if like FTX issued FTT tokens and then they can issue more as the price increases instead of like a stock split, it's, it's essentially putting more stocks out there. So so you're saying we shouldn't print more money, the U S government. Is that what you're saying? I I'm definitely saying that. (laughs) Good. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) It's, that's what at least pushes me towards Bitcoin, where from what I understand about it, there is a finite amount and you can split it up into, you know, individual smaller portions. But to me, that would make more sense, right? Everything, as we innovate, the promise of innovation is that the price of things goes down because it becomes more efficient at producing things. But that's not what we're seeing right now because of insane printing of money. So to me, a cryptocurrency that can just print more of itself is no better than our U.S. dollar that has the potential for the Federal Reserve to continue just printing money. And the U.S. dollar, to its credit, at least has the most powerful government currently in the world backing it and is generally used as the I mean, everywhere in the world is experiencing inflation right now because every other currency is connected to the dollar. So when when the dollar inflates, everywhere inflates, there's competition right now with China. You know, we've had the oil standard uh, as being in U.S. dollars since I think 1977 or 72, something like that. 
Saudi Arabia is in talks to finally allow China to buy in what's the Chinese currency, whatever that is. And if that happens, that might shift the balance of power a little bit so that the U.S. isn't the standard for the rest of the currencies. But as long as it is, at least it has that going for it. The problem with with these other cryptos is they have no backing. There is there is nothing material about them. So FTT was just backed by this one exchange. And yes, it happened to be the second largest crypto exchange in the world, but that's all it is. And, and as you can see, the mighty can fall. I agree with you that Bitcoin has greater prospects given that it has its finite amount. All the Bitcoin that can be created has been created. At the same time, it, it falls into the same category of the rest of the cryptos in that there there's nothing backing it right so as long as we all keep believing that it's worth something it'll be worth something but we've seen since the beginning of this year to now it fall off at like 80 percent of its value right it was just shy of sixty thousand dollars per bitcoin at the beginning of the year and you'd think with inflation it automatically would go up but we've had crazy amounts of inflation and sitting here today at the time of recording it's less than $17,000 per bitcoin so i don't think the all the problems have been solved and by the way i'm going to get the country wrong i don't think it was brazil it was a different south american country argentina it might have been argentina that made one of their they still have their official currency but a secondary official currency that can be used as legal tender for any interaction is Bitcoin in that country. And that has absolutely devastated them this year as one of their official currencies lost 80% of its value. <laughs> so you can see the wow. concerns around that, right? Well, something that is in a sense captivating to me is that we read in Sapiens that money only has value because there's an agreement that people believe it has value. So to me, the reason money or a cryptocurrency would have value is because of trust, not necessarily something backing it, but in a sense, something backing it is trust. The problem I have with the U.S. government backing, quote unquote, banks and other entities is their solution is just to print more money. We're going to print money in order to loan this money back to the banks in order for them to, you know, give it out so they don't have to go bankrupt. To me, that's it's such a big problem. And it's not what capitalism is. If a company gets too big and they spread themselves out too thin and make poor decisions and put out too many loans, that company should, in essence, fail. I don't necessarily know that just by backing, it solves any problems. Do you understand what I'm saying? I guess I understand what you're saying, but when, when you say it doesn't solve too many problems, it mitigates the biggest threat of having most of your wealth tied up in a single monetary type, right? It, as long as you believe that the US government will continue to exist, then you will be able to use this as legal tenders. Whereas for crypto, let's let's take bitcoin as a specific example you have to believe that the centralized network will continue to exist and that not necessarily the rest of the world but the rest of the digital community will still recognize that as a valid token that has monetary value 
And so that's just a little bit more ethereal. You can't really identify the source and you can't really identify where a source of destruction might come from, right? Whereas the U.S. government, if China decides they're going hard or Russia decides it's time for, you know, uh, intercontinental nuclear war, then those are really the main concerns of the U.S. government falling. Uh, outside of that, I feel pretty good about having most of my money in U.S. dollars. Whereas for Bitcoin, I don't really know what the threats are to Bitcoin. I think a solar flare would mean that all of it would be wiped out immediately, although that's probably true for all those you know digits I have in the bank account as well, right? So I'm, I'm not necessarily sure how to mitigate against that. Otherwise, what other dangers exist around cryptocurrencies? I mean, we, we just saw one, right? If someone had 50 Bitcoin, that'd be worth, you know, however much, a couple million dollars in their FTX account. They don't have that anymore. That money's gone. So is that because, as I explained earlier, an exchange owns, quote unquote, the Bitcoin and they allowed it to be traded? You don't have it in your own wallet, per se. The the wallets are maintained in the exchange. That's the difference. If if a wallet just connects with the exchange for the transaction, that's one thing. But they hosted the wallet. So a guy owned 10 Bitcoin and, and 100 FTTs. Well, when it all collapsed and he tried to pull out, they didn't have any money to give him for those Bitcoins. So he tried to transfer it to another wallet. It couldn't transfer because they didn't have the money that would be needed for that. That's my understanding of it, at least. I could be wrong, but that is why both Binance, Coinbase, uh, and FTX were all these all-in-companying companies that host the wallets, host the exchanges, and have the currencies themselves uh, that they have produced. So I think Binance has their own coin as well. I could be wrong on that. But that's where the danger lies, is that well, I guess that's that answers my question a little bit. There's there's a little bit of danger when there's too much centralization in the process of the cryptocurrency. So if you're going to own something, own it probably in a hard wallet, own it somewhere that it can't be liquidated so that you can no longer access it. But I, I have to assume there are some huge major risks that I am totally not seeing here. Right. Because I just am not familiar with the space. Well, in addition to what just occurred, when there's a lack of regulation, there can be shady things going on in the background, right? Nobody knew this was happening until they knew it was happening. And yet it was going on for long enough that they were able to continually inflate their own token by using customer funds to buy more of their tokens. Yeah, and part of that is the fact that it was based in the Bahamas, the reason they moved it there was for fewer governmental issues, you know, fewer constraints. So whenever you see that, I think it has to raise a little bit of a red flag. And I think that Binance is based out of China. So when you look at this and you're like, okay, are these companies in a position, A, where they are being taxed, so they're being a part of our institutional environment, and B, are underneath you know, U.S. regulation. I'm not a big fan of regulation. I think it can generally, it generally constricts the market in a way that is detrimental to the individual rather than helpful to the individual. That being said, is of course necessary in financial markets and financial institutions to ensure there isn't foul play and bad actors like we're seeing here. 
So that being said, the issue with this amount of money being in, in one person's hand uh, and used in this way is you had someone owning a company based out of the Bahamas doing illicit things in the background to make him look. I mean, he was number 32 on Forbes richest people in the world list at 29 years old. Right. He was. What was he worth? Uh, he might have not been number 32. He might have been worth 32 billion dollars. Either way, it was a lot of money. And the fact that he was able to liquidate part of that to become one of the mega donors in the world uh, for I mean, he was behind only George Soros in terms of Democrat donations this past election cycle. And why was that? It wasn't just because he's, you know, altruistic. It was because he wanted the regulation to skew in his direction. And the crazy thing about this to me, Tommy, is that we would still be sitting here not having any idea that any of this was going on if it wasn't for Binance saying, I think this is wrong and I need to, you know, protect my own company from this possible shortcoming on, on his part uh, in terms of how the FTT coin was being used. So if he doesn't decide I'm pulling out all of Binance's stock of FTT, there isn't a run on the bank and it doesn't collapse. And we have no idea that it's actually, uh, you know, a, a house of cards. That's what blows my mind. Well, that just begs the question, how many other House of Cards are there? What does this instance do to the rest of the cryptocurrency market? Yeah, I hope it makes it a lot more bearish. To, to me, it, it erodes a lot of the trust. And a lot of the things that I was hearing about it were a lot of concerned and uh, scared people trying to say, listen, if you own any of this, you know, either get it on a hard wallet or get out of these exchanges. I also heard today that Kevin O'Leary, as one of the spokespeople, he's now come out and said that he's not going to be investing in anything that doesn't have some sort of regulation behind it. When you're that wealthy, that makes a lot of sense. So I would I would say that it's a good call, but I don't think that's going to save him from litigation. I think he's still going to get sued for his part. For sure. So what do we recommend to, you know, people that want to invest in crypto? What avenues or what research should individuals be doing in order to make informed decisions? It's a great question. I, I would say put in your 80 hours before you spend a dime, like really understand the terms, understand the different options you have available and figure out if it's the best place for your money to be. Because if you're interested in it, you're probably on the younger side of things and you're probably thinking that it's just going to grow over time and you can probably hold it for a while. And that's going to be a good source of, I won't say passive income, but of growing your net worth. Consider if there are other avenues to do the same thing that are safer, uh, that pr provide less risk and can get you where you want to go without you being involved in something that you may not fully understand. The other thing I would mention is if something looks too good to be true, it probably is. So remaining bearish to some of these things that just up and out of nowhere just kind of blew up, I think that's a red flag in and of itself. You know what I think really hurt that cause is the GameStop uh, stock situation from whenever that was, early 21, when all of a sudden... You know, they they basically made a rush on 
GameStop happen by buying it up when everyone else was shorting it. So there's a short squeeze. All of a sudden, it's a Fortune 100 company when it stock was worth like six bucks a pop, you know, two weeks ago. So that is one where you saw people just from timing a market right get extremely wealthy. You bought GameStop, you sold it three days later, and you made $50,000. You made $100,000. People made millions and millions of dollars from buying a lot of GameStop at the right time. They try to do the same thing with, what was it, one of the cinema companies. AMC. AMC, thank you. And there were a couple, like Nokia, there, there were BlackBerry. There were a couple where people were basically taking these stocks that clearly had outdated technology and that were on the lagging edge of the market and saying, let's just invest in there because people are probably shorten them and, and maybe we can make the stock value go up. So that made people say it's possible by manipulating a market to get rich quick. So I think that made an entire generation say, when I see the beginning of a hockey stick curve here, I want to buy as soon as possible, just on the off chance. And if it goes to zero, hopefully I didn't invest that much. But that's it kind of turned the market into a casino. And I think that overall is to the detriment of society because the market is supposed to be an evaluation of value that is being provided. So you, you hopefully invest in a Walmart or something like that because you recognize that Walmart provides a good and does it better than anyone else in that marketplace. And that's, you know, I'm I have stock of Apple. I have stock of Amazon. These companies that, you know, are institutional, but also are providing immense value to their customers. Those are the ones you want to be a part of. So. If you're looking at crypto, my question a little bit is why? Is it because you understand the thing you're about to invest in and believe in it and believe it's a good for society? It sounds like maybe you, Tommy, feel that way about Bitcoin, in which case I understand if you end up wanting to buy Bitcoin. But if you're looking at one of these altcoins, these other cryptocurrencies, what is the specific good that it is bringing forward into the market that you want to support and be a part of? I think that's for sure a great point. What infrastructure is backing this? How many people are employed? What are they doing with the money that you're going to be investing in them? And another thing that I wanted to point out was I don't necessarily think there is such a thing as a get rich quick scheme. I think some people get lucky and hit the market at a certain point. And of course, knowledge is power. So the more knowledge you have, I think you have those opportunities to make a ton of money. However, I don't think there's such a thing as a get rich quick scheme. And I think that kind of goes back to, you know, delayed gratification versus instant gratification. Are you going to work hard over the course of 20 years to develop and, you know, put in the work to make yourself financially stable? Or are you just going to throw money at a wall in order to hopefully make some money? To me, that's a cultural thing where we don't focus on the long-term gains. We want success now. And I think success now, this second, especially if you're currently unsuccessful, is going to be very hard to do unless you establish the right mindset, the right habits, the right things in order to make yourself successful. No, I, I agree with you completely. And and way to bring that around to kind of not personal responsibility, but a, a little bit personal responsibility with choosing the delayed gratification as your modus operandi for life. It's, it's 
going to always end up with a more fruitful life. So it's a great call. Well, Paul, I think this is uh, pretty much concluded our discussion on FTX. There's still going to be more information, and uh, maybe we can discuss it later on as uh, continued news comes out. But hopefully uh, you listeners have found this intriguing, entertaining, maybe a little interesting. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) sorry, inside joke. And uh, let us know what you thought. Let us know if you know, why we should or shouldn't be investing in cryptocurrencies, what your thoughts are. Uh, Paul, any final thoughts? Yeah, no, that was a great conclusion, Tommy. I agree with you completely that it was very interesting. And we appreciate you all listening. Leave your feedback. Uh, Let us know if you're invested in cryptocurrency. Let us know if we forgot anything, if we got anything wrong. Very much appreciate it. We'll talk to you next time. Bye. Good morning, afternoon, or evening, whenever you're listening to this Brace podcast. We ask you to follow us on Instagram at Brace.22. Paul's Twitter is at Paul from Brace. And be sure to email us at Brace22 at ProtonMail.com. Please leave us a five-star review wherever you are listening and send to a friend if you found value in this discussion. Thanks. We appreciate it.